Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 229. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 171, Go to the Mirror. And it's actually Go to the Mirror because it ends with a question mark, which is important. Yes. Um, boy, it's been over a month since we got a new Night Vale episode, and this one was pretty weird. Nicely creepy. It was... Yeah, yeah. It took a little while for that to become apparent, but in the episode, Cecil speaks in nothing but questions. He never once makes a statement. He is all, even if he's just finishing up a sentence with, don't you? It's always a question. Nice. And I, I admit I did not pick up on that until you just said it. I'm like, oh my goodness. So <laughs> it's me not paying attention. Well, that was cool. It meant that they did it very organically because it was, mm. it didn't become clunky at any time. And I think no. the acting was very good on that because it covered a range of angry to creepy to terrified. Yeah. Yeah. I guess... We can't really go into detail about it because it's one of these really introspective, very atmospheric, weirdly weird type of things. But it's sort of, I guess, revolving around Cecil's fear of mirrors and where some of that might have come from. Yeah. And him asking questions about, is there something behind you? Is that talons? Is it still there? Why are you reaching for your shoulder? Yeah. There was always some strange creature on your neck. And also you were looking in the mirror and seeing a table in the background. And you were pretty sure you didn't actually have that table in real life. Yeah. And that these questions that just for some reason would strike me with the weirdness, the question, what's inside the drawer in the rickety table in the mirror? Oh, yeah. And he talked about being on a swing set as a kid. And there's definitely something with his mother in his life. But he was on a swing set and tried to see if he could do like the full loop around. And he flung himself off the seat and landed and broke his leg. And his mother apparently asked him, why are you crying when you don't even exist? And that was a nicely creepy moment. Yeah, yeah. And there was also, of course, disparition knocking it out of the park, as usual. Oh, yeah. And we had a little bit slightly new intro music this time. It was still mm-hmm. the Night Vale theme, but different. But as we're listening to Cecil asking all these questions, you keep hearing things in the background. Sometimes it's Cecil's voice coming at you backwards, but very quietly. Sometimes there's a little echo. Sometimes it's just a step ahead of what he's about to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it made me think of? What was that? One of my favorite bits in Perdido Street Station, where they go to talk to this one demon in the demon district. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, man. It's so... It's... You know, Pretty Street Station, That if you've not read that book and you just want some really weird, awesome fantasy and really dark and kind of depressing in places, but oh, so cool. But they go see a demon in the demon district and it's almost like a, an office building. And there is a guy they're talking to behind the desk. And as he's talking, he's fairly pleasant, but just a, just a slight step behind what he's saying, you hear his words repeated, but it's someone screaming the exact same words. And then they wondered at one point, was that his real voice and the scream was the echo, or was the scream the actual voice and his pleasant tone was the echo? Oh, I love that bit. Yeah, and the fact that that every time they close their eyes, you could see a flash of something horrible. So they're just trying to keep their eyes wide open the entire time they're talking to this demon. Man, China Mavel knows how to do creepy. He really, really does. But yeah, that's what I thought. Every time I heard those little tiny whispers of sound in the background, I was thinking about the demon there. But It's hard to describe the plot because I don't know that there's much of a plot 
plot to this episode per se, but it's something if you really wanted to creep yourself out to play this on your headphones late at night. I think that oh, would yeah. be that would be fun. I might have to try that once the days start getting a little bit shorter and it starts getting a little cooler out there. I like when he said that, you know, you've got that creature on your shoulder that you can see in the mirror and you kind of run away from the mirror and he's like, Do you feel better now that you're not looking in the mirror? Why do you feel better? Do you think it's not still there? <laughs> just, <laughs> just lovely get, creepy. Getting more and more scared about the thing that's appearing and how long is its torso? And I don't know why, but the idea of a monster suddenly appearing with elongated limbs or a really, mm-hmm. really long body, just almost human, but not, eek, that is just one of yeah. the major things that creeps me out. That's why that new Blair Witch movie worked so well for me, oh, because yeah. of the thing chasing after them in the hall. Always had these long limbs. You know, the whole Slender Man, I don't know, thing, that was kind of a little after our time. I guess it seems like a thing that kids creep themselves at. Do you know anything about that myth about the Slender Man? Um, the Worst Foot Forward podcast did a world's worst horror story. I can't remember if that was one of the more recent ones or if it was an older one I was listening to. I think it was one of those no sleep stories from Reddit or maybe a proto Reddit kind of thing where people were coming up with random storylines to entertain each other with. And that was something that came out of it. And a couple of girls thought it was real and they tried to stab their classmate to death. And I think they're both still in therapy at this point. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, um, uh, the weather this week was, I thought it was really fun. It was very punk, kind of garage rock, I guess. Felt very indie 90s band kind of thing. Mm. It was mm. Flower Lane, and the band's name is Fun Bearable. <laughs> I like it. That's I nice. like that a lot. But yeah, it was really a very straightforward episode in that way because we had the weather, but we didn't have anything like community calendar or horoscopes or traffic. It was really just Cecil's voice and then the weather and then Cecil's voice and then we were done. Yeah. That was it. So, I guess, as usual, um, moving on from the recap, we should get to our SIDRAP! SIDRAP! Okay. What are you drinking? I am drinking a new beer from Deep River, and I have a glass to put it in, because it is red. Oh, it is so red. And I have... A stone IPA, as usual. I actually do have beer in the house, and it is it is beer. It is yeah. it's an IPA. It tastes like an IPA. This is this is called the elusive tart. <laughs> it is a cherry lime goes. I think G O S E. I think that's the name for a sour type beer. It is really sour. I had this. Is it really? Yeah, I had a oh, sample wow. of it. It's very sour. No, very tasty. Oh, nice. Good. Good. Oh, sit rep. Uh, cases are going up everywhere. Um, California and Florida seem to be duking it out for who has the most cases. We passed New York a long time ago. Uh, we went in the space of a few weeks from having like the 13th highest number of cases in the country in North Carolina to the ninth highest. So we, oh. we rocketed past Pennsylvania. And although I think Louisiana might be trying to catch up with us at this point, but you know, all of that right now is sort of not quite as important as the fact that there's a hurricane bearing down on us because it's 2020. So of course there is. I loved the fact that Catherine Valente, who we follow on Twitter, <laughs> she lives in Maine. And they did have a fatal shark attack, and it's the first shark attack in decades and decades in Maine. And then they had a tornado warning, which they never have tornado warnings in Maine. And she said, guys, I don't want to say Sharknado, but it's 2020 and all bets are off. <laughs> oh, oh, no, guys. Did you oh, look, see when she went into a little bit more of the history of that? Because it's only the second 
shark fatality that they've had up in Maine, and it's the first unprovoked shark attack. And she's like, unprovoked. Pause. What did you do to that shark, Silas? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, It's this year. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, um, I mean, we're we're laughing about all this and everything, but it is pretty scary. And I'm staying home and, you know, doing everything I can to, you know, curbside groceries and having stuff delivered and whatever. I, I just I think it's very scary, but I'm lucky because I can do my entire job from home. So that's not everybody has that. Uh, so I hope everybody is really doing their best to try and stay safe and please wear a mask. Yes, it is one thing that heartens me every time I go out on the town, um, which is not often anymore, but there'll be like maybe one or two people shopping at the most who aren't wearing a mask. Everyone else out right. in our tiny but growing town in eastern North Carolina is wearing a mask. So despite what you see on Facebook and the reopen NC people, which have decided that it's all a great big conspiracy and want to have people go to school. <sighs> but yeah, it does seem to be that a lot of the population is taking this seriously here. That's good. I have a friend in Indiana who's pretty conservative, but um, she was posting pro Black Lives Matter stuff, which is cool. And she's also a big believer in wearing your damn mask. So, you know, there's smart people on either side of the political divide. I hope we can all get together and do that. Indiana's where they actually opened a school and in one day, a kid tested positive and the school had to shut down because of quarantine because he was in all his classes. Yeah, one day. Exactly. I mean, it's like, how... Why anyone thinks this is going to work? I mean, it takes one case and suddenly you're quarantining everybody for two weeks. I mean, you would basically be doing school in a kind of stutter stop way where you like bring people in, send them home, bring people in, wait a couple weeks, send them home. And just how does anyone manage to think that that's going to work? And it's also ridiculous. I mean, Governor Cooper in North Carolina got raked over the coals by the GOP for refusing to promise to the president that he could have a full-on GOP convention with no masking, no social distancing, full convention hall, whatever. And the president decided to take his ball and go home, or he decided to go to Jacksonville, Florida. And Mm -hmm. now he's had to cancel the GOP convention in Jacksonville because it's too dangerous. But they still think opening school is a good idea. Part of that is the whole thing, like when it first started, people saying that kids were not catching it, that kids weren't getting it. And people have pointed out, it's like, we don't really know that kids are immune. It could be that we were keeping all the kids home from school, so they weren't getting it. And now kids are getting sick, and a lot of them are asymptomatic, so they could be just terrible disease vectors at this point, you know. And neither of us have kids, so we're like, man, rugrats are always carrying diseases. But it's not funny. <laughs> no. It's not. It's not funny. But yeah, anyway. Anyway, we're not scientists. We're not doctors. Uh, but we do believe the scientists, and we believe the doctors that we hear. So I think it'd be better if we could all stay home for a little more. I mean, we were doing good in California. And now if you look at the cases, there's this giant spike after they tried to opening things back up. And we're still not really recovered from that. It's, so I'm like, it's just so disappointing because you can look at the graphs on the Worldometer website and see the dip in new cases after we had been sheltering in place and social distancing and all that stuff. And then you see it go right back up after everyone decided, oh, it must be fine. So I don't know. It could be 2021 before we can all... Go out again. I mean, everyone's talking now about the vaccine. That's what they're putting their hopes on. But guys, 
2021, I think early 2021 at the earliest is when it's going to be possibly approved. Actually getting yeah. it manufactured, getting it distributed, getting it to the point where everybody can actually afford to take it, that'll take a lot longer. We have got to nip this in the bud now. Yeah, we really don't want to have the hospitals get overrun. Um, Florida, where mom and dad and Hannah live, uh, they're just, you know, dad's got some health concerns and he still has to go into the hospital. And uh, what at what point are they going to stop him from going in the hospital because he's not actually dying? You know, it's it's scary as hell. Hannah's doing really good keeping mom and dad safe, by the way. Yeah, she is. My God, I'm so glad she's there. Yeah, we also want to say she's uh, got a birthday coming up, she and dad. So uh, that by the time this episode comes out, I think it's in two days. So happy birthday, Hannah. Yay. Anyway, so like we said, I hope everybody's staying safe as well as possible. And um, well, Tell us what you're watching to get you through this pandemic. We would really like to hear what has been giving people a little bit of joy. Catherine, what has given us a little bit of joy in this pandemic? We watched the fourth episode of The Mandalorian. And Mm -hmm. like all the other episodes, there'll be an image that just pops out that is just so... It's almost like it was designed to be a painting. And in this case, it's the scout walker that was attacking the little town in the middle of the night in the fog. And just seeing the lights come on and it's so, I mean, because the scout walker's always been pretty cool in that it's it's kind of like an animal of sorts. So it almost has a personality and just seeing it wake up in the dark and start charging forward. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah, Nathan was impressed that they managed to make it look kind of demonic in a few shots like that. And the animators, whoever was working on that, did a bang up job because it looked very intimidating. And you could understand why this is a great big deal. Like fighting off a horde of savages armed with spears. Oh yeah, we can deal with that. One scout walker. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And also, I guess maybe in in Return of the Jedi, you know, of course, when the Ewoks took it down and everything, I think the Scoutwalkers kind of got this reputation for being a little goofy, you know, and they were taken down by Ewoks and everything. Fine. But they were also kind of held up to the the big guys, the Adats, you know, those things. Those are intimidating. This is the smaller cousin to them and everything. You just sort of forget exactly how friggin' big those things are and how powerful. Yeah. Oh, man. Fun. So fun. Uh, other thing that I've been watching, uh, still working through the third season of Hannibal. Same. Very enjoyable. And I decided to take a little bit of break and rewatch Doctor Strange. And seeing (gasps) Mads Mikkelsen comparing him in both of those roles. And both of those roles are something that another actor could probably chew the scenery. Just like Mm -hmm. really chew it all up and down. And he manages to make it so convincing and so menacing all the time. And that's that's got to be hard to do, to take a comic book property and come up with some real menace. Oh, absolutely. It's it's just, boy, the end to the second season, that finale, where so much blood and so many people dying and everything. I'm just, I've already seen it once before and watching it again. I was still like biting my fingernails watching it. It was just so, everything felt unexpected and... The editing, the timing, everything's just so wonderful about that. And the friggin' food. Oh, of my course, goodness. of course, the food. Darn it, I have still got to try to make some other recipe in the Hannibal cookbook other than Osabuco, which, by the way, is delicious. So try to make nice. that at some point. But um, oh. there's all sorts of things like 
pheasant. Surely I can find a pheasant somewhere in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> sure. People have got to be trying to unload the specialty food that other people aren't buying now. It's either that or you can just cheat and go for those little Cornish hens or something. That's what people seem to do when they can't get a hold of something exotic. They're like, well, they do sell those little Cornish hens. So you could get one of those. And of course, the entire show is all about taking some normal food and making it look like it's not pork. Right. Now, I one thing that jumped out at me watching the third season, and of course, Gillian Anderson is just, she's so amazing and so brittle and friggin' terrified. Like, she's got this calm, calm demeanor, but you can tell she is just absolutely panicking inside, just below the surface. And I remember the first time I watched it, I saw she was always eating oysters. And I was wondering why she's eating oysters. And in my mind, I came up with two solutions. She knows what Hannibal does. She's very well aware of that. One is that she has got to eat something that you couldn't disguise human meat as. Like, I don't think think you could eat anything that's human that would look like oyster meat. Um, The other thing was technically they are in a relationship, I guess. I mean, I'm assuming they have sex. I can't remember. I'm I'm only like four episodes in. I can't remember if they actually say that they're having sex. I don't know if they ever made that clear. It's something about when she kisses him when he's about to get tracked down by the FBI almost made me think that that was the most physical contact that they had. But I don't know if it was made clear. Well, my little theory in my head, which I hadn't even realized I'd come up with until I started trying to parse it out loud, is that she's eating oysters because oysters are traditionally supposed to be an aphrodisiac. And she was doing whatever she could to maybe continue to have some type of feeling for him. I don't know. But in reality, I don't know why I didn't notice it before, because it's being shown back to back with the episodes where he's killing, um, what's his face? Um, Gideon, um, who is played by... One moment. Oh, God, now I know who you're talking about. Yep. Eddie Izzard. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. How could I forget that? Oh, and he does such a good job. But he's having this conversation because Hannibal, at this point, has him captured and is slowly eating pieces off of him. He's already cooked his leg in that nice clay cast thing. Um, And then he's having snails... He's having snails eat the meat of his arm so that he can cook the snails and give it to him because snails and oysters and honey and acorns were all the things that the Romans fed their pigs to make them taste better. And the guy looks down at Gillian Anderson's plate at one point, and she's actually eating all of those things. Hannibal is insisting she eats those things. She knows he's going to eat her. She knows it. That was why when they're having that conversation with the guy, he ends up murdering. And he, like, says, he notices that and says that the Romans used to feed their pigs that to make them flavorful. And you see Gillian Anderson, like, having to chew really hard because she's thinking Mm -hmm. about what that means. And I'm sure she knows that. It's just, it's kind of hard to swallow the food when someone's pointed out that it's to make you taste better. But I love that scene, though, because she talks about, her husband has a very refined palate and he wants to make sure that I taste good. And there's this long pause and their guest kind of looks at her and looks at Hannibal. Is it that kind of a party? And there's this long pause. <laughs> and Hannibal says, it's not that kind of party. <laughs> Jillian Anderson, it really isn't. Oh, man. I looked at that actor, too, the guy who, unfortunately, spoilers, gets murdered fairly quickly. Uh, the only thing he's been in that I've seen, he's been in uh, uh, 300, the, the Sparta movie. Oh, you know? yeah. This yeah. is Sparta. Yeah, he's, he's, I think he's probably one of the Spartans, whatever. But he's also, he has a credit 
in Avengers Endgame. And it's just Loki reader. And apparently what people have sussed out, there's apparently a scene where they're going through, you know, where Loki's kept prisoner and they've got everybody, you know, going, jumping through the times and existing in two different places. Apparently one of the scenes where you see Loki, it doesn't focus on him. I think it's that actor sitting in there. You know, Tom Hiddleston didn't have to be there for that moment. They weren't going to show him in person. So now I want to watch Endgame again to see if I can find that moment. I still need to watch Endgame anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. I just... I haven't watched it since I saw it in the theater. I don't know if I can. My Clintasha heart is still healing. Oh God! But I, I did. I do need to watch it. Yeah, and I need to watch it so that I can make Nathan watch it because he still hasn't seen it. But a thing oh. that we did watch is we had another tri-state watch party, and we watched Back to the Future. And I cannot remember Man. when the last time was that I watched that movie all the way through. Yeah, I've watched it at some point. Mm. In the last 10 years, I think, but it hasn't been in the last five for sure. So, but I was, Hannah was the one who brought up the fact that this is a movie that's good. It's, it holds up, but not just in a nostalgia way. You know, it's not just, oh, this is a part of our childhood, so we love it, but it's not really that good. No, I mean, it is really solid as a movie. And I read through the trivia on IMDb, and I think the trivia might need to be curated a little bit better because there was no fewer than five different people pointing out in that opening pan over uh, the doctor's house, and you see all of these clocks, and you see one of the clocks has a little cardboard figure hanging off of one of the clock hands. So five people pointed out, like, ah, see, that echoes what was happening to the doc at the end of the movie. Only one person caught the fact that that's a reference to a Harold Lloyd movie, a pretty famous uh, silent film where Harold Lloyd hangs off a clock face, which Nathan saw that immediately and thought, oh, I remember that happening. I'd forgotten that happened to Doc at the end of the movie because it's been so long. So we see that happening like, oh, my God, a callback, (laughs) which I was... I saw the little figure hanging from it, and I heard the Harold Lloyd reference. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, oh, who? (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. Passed me by completely. I am probably one of the people who would be like, oh, check it out. It's just reflecting what happened to him at the end of the movie. No, it's even bigger of a callback. So anyway. Yeah, the movie is called Safety Last. And you've probably Ah. seen the iconic picture somewhere of Harold Lloyd hanging off of a clock face on the top of a really high tower. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Honestly, I would like to go through and watch the movie again and just freeze frame the scenes of the stores in modern day and compare them with the stores back in time because you know there's all sorts of clever stuff hidden in there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and definitely look on Pixelated Geek because we will probably have a post from the conversation that we had over Messenger on Friday, do you think? Probably. uh, I never posted the Men in Black one and I have no excuse. I just kept, you know, Comic-Con happened and I started doing a lot of Comic-Con posts with everybody. So, uh, yeah, I got to get Men in Black up and we got to get Back to the Future up. But we will definitely have both of them up on the site. Yep. And speaking of Comic-Con, that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, there was some good stuff. Yeah. I've been getting some emails from Glenn Wooten, who curated the online art Mm -hmm. show. And Mm -hmm. there's... Obviously, this was the first time everybody's trying to figure out what worked, what didn't work. I definitely got a lot more attention to my Tumblr page than I've had in a long time. Um... I think there was some question about the fact that with Tumblr and a lot of high-resolution images and all, like, over 200 people turning in pages, it took a long time to load everything. So you would have to be pretty yeah. dedicated to scroll through all of that. If you get a chance to, to look on the tag, what is the hashtag that we used on Tumblr uh, for that? 
I want to say it's art show, um, SDCC art show at home or something like that. Well, I'll look it up and I'll put it in the page description. But yeah, I mean, those posts aren't going anywhere. It was, uh, I don't even think the album that they set up for the actual Comic-Con art show, I'm pretty sure that's still up too. There's no reason to take it down. It was all free. Yeah, they did actually mention, and I had suggested this to him because I was scrolling through trying to find all the stuff down at the bottom. And I noticed the photos definitely slowed things down. But what really got it is the people who put a friggin' novel in their post description because there's not a character limit. And so he was, and Glenn Wooten has actually run the art show for I don't even know how many years. And so he juggles a lot of stuff. But he asked for suggestions on what would you do to make things better. And I was like, I think this was great. I think it was very successful in many ways. I think having a character limit on those posts would make things go by a lot faster because you'd be sitting here scrolling and it's like one person's post and you've got to get to the end of that one person's post before all the other posts can load onto the page and I'm like oh god this is excruciating but (laughs) see I saw that he mentioned that in the email so I wonder if there were any other people other than you who were able to spot that sort of thing I don't know I don't know but yeah no it was really and people said nice things and I had I had attention on one of my tumblr posts the others I were further down in the line. One, I've had amazing, amazing results with people seeing it and liking it and everything. And on another one of my posts, I got like eight notes. So, you know, it just <laughs> depends on where you fell. But I did make some sales, which is cool. Oh, cool. It's a really good experience. And I actually, from what they were saying, if you went into the Comic-Con main sales floor things, if you clicked on a person's booth, it would pop it up. And they were only allowed three small thumbnails to kind of show what they could do. And then there'd be links to, you know, their storefront and everything. So not only did they not have as big pictures as the art show, but you kind of, if you were browsing, you were sort of at the mercy of what you knew to exist and the alphabet when you were searching, because it would call things up in alphabetical order. So... I kind of think the art show had better results than the main sales floor. Yeah, there were a lot of lessons learned, I think, from that. Mm-hmm. But they had some interesting posts. I'm kind of curious about the um, the new Golden Compass. Uh, what was it? His Dark Materials? Oh, Is that yes, the TV yes. series? I'm yep, curious yep. about that after seeing the trailer for season two, because that looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea Lin-Manuel Miranda was in that. Did you not? Oh, that I did was not. the only reason why I knew it existed. I mean, because <laughs> Jada's... Jada's friend is such a fan of his, and she was talking about it. I'm like, wait, 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 back up. Lin-Manuel Miranda is in The Golden Compass? And she's like, well, I mean, they're calling it his dark materials, but yeah. Um, but then, my God, Andrew Scott is going to be in the second season. And if you know anything about this series, you know that everybody has an animal companion, kind of, but it's really your soul that walks beside you. You can never get too far separated from it. If you're male, the soul tends to be female. There's some cases when it's not and everything. Um, Andrew Scott's going to be in it. And you you know who his demon's going to be. From... Uh Crap. <laughs> Phoebe Waller, uh, Fleabag. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was, I was trying to figure out what the hell the name of the TV show was. But yes, so I know. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yes, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yes. And obviously, it's going to be a CGI animal, but she's providing the voice. And it's like, oh my God, because their scenes in the final season of Fleabag were so amazing. So and wonderful. I want, is she going to be a fox? That would be hilarious oh. if she was going to be a fox. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Oh, please let her be a fox. Please, please, please. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that'd be great. But I don't, you know, 
I read all the books, but I read the books a long time ago. He might be a character that we already know, and there might be an established demon for him. I don't know. Right, because that's one of the things from the storyline is that when you're a child, your demon can shapeshift, can be all sorts of different animals. But when you become an adult at a point that is not really well defined until the last book, then Mm -hmm. your demon stays fixed in shape. Yeah, yeah. And that's there's like a fear involved with that too because some people their demons when they settle on their final shape they're water-based creatures and that means you will never be able to get away from the water because your demon will die and then you'll die or you'll commit suicide it depends on how quickly it happens yeah so exactly uh, yeah oh, yeah i know i know and so everybody's always worried about oh what shape will my demon end up being and i it's it's such a amazingly detailed world that he's created around all this Catholic Church wasn't very fond of it, of course. No. Well, seeing what they did with the concept of angels and God, especially in the last book, yeah, it was he was poking the bear, I think. He really was. Yeah, if you try to say that God isn't really God, he's just an angel who took over and now has Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's not gonna make the church very happy, but um but yeah, there's they're they're just such rich, detailed books, and I don't have any excuse for not having watched the season, so I gotta watch that. I'll tell you. Um, Hannah has been talking a lot about a series called I May Destroy You, but it's only available on HBO. And she thinks it's amazing. And it's also like kind of excruciating to watch in places, apparently. I don't know if it's secondhand embarrassment or what, but there's a lot of people who have jumped in. I think even Hugh Laurie put in a comment. He's like, this is an amazing show. <sighs> and But excruciating. Now, Hannah also recommended another new podcast. Hannah's always given us the good podcast. Oh, yeah, she always. Yeah, she is. Uh, The Dream. Uh, If you have not listened to this yet, you really need to, especially if you've ever thought that multi-level marketing was a good idea, which, raising our hands, we... Raising our hands, yeah. We did did did. some multi-level marketing when we were just graduated from high school, and it was not one of the really bad ones where you had to, where you were driven to recruit for, to sign more people up for this, but it was still, I mean... I don't understand why they do it like this, unless the whole point of multi-level marketing is that the product is not what you're selling. The product is the dream of being self-sufficient and making a lot of money. And they are selling that to all the people that they are saying are their employees. And I think that's yeah. probably exactly what it is. So it's yeah. the, the podcast is absolutely fantastic. That last episode of the first season where they are interviewing Whoa. somebody who's like high up in the lobbying for multi-level marketing groups, that was excruciating. Yo, that was really hard to listen to. I'm glad I did, but that was hard. I mean... The thing that I love that they actually like verbalized was when they started talking about a closed system and that so many of these like Amway is a perfect example of this, where the only people who end up buying the product are the people who are in the company. Like you have sales goals and once you meet a goal, you'll get bumped up another level, but you haven't made your sales. So you buy them yourself. And that line what is it? The company doesn't matter. The company doesn't care who it's being sold to. They just want someone to buy it. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of they. Everybody just eventually pulls out their wallet and puts it on their credit card. It's like, oh, I'm, I've almost made my goal, so I'm just going to buy some of this stuff and then I'll have it and then I'll sell it to other people and it'll be fine. I'm, I'm moving up, and that's that's the closed system that the only money is coming from within the company and the people that you've recruited, and it's just. I really enjoyed it. And I listened to a bonus episode today where they actually are talking to a gentleman who specializes and has done most of his work 
in getting people out of religious cults and how they deprogram them. And he talks about the similarities between religious cults and multi-level marketing. And as far as he's concerned, there ain't no difference. There was one of the episodes was just voicemails from people calling in about their experiences with multi-level marketing. Mm. And some of it is just bizarre. I mean, a dude sitting down with his father-in-law because his wife was going to be leaving him and he was trying to get his father-in-law to tell him what was wrong to try to patch things up with his wife and his father-in-law absolutely tearing him down for being just an absolute worthless person. He's never going to amount to anything in life. But what he could do is he could join up with this multi-level marketing. I mean, his Mm father-in-law was pitching multi-level marketing at him at his lowest point in his life. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's, I mean, uh, and we know, you know, we've, we participated in one. We've got tons of friends who do Mary Kay. I've known some coworkers who did LuLaRoe. Um, Swarovski, I think, may have an MLM thing because I went to a Swarovski party at one point and I was like, this is very similar to a Pampered Chef party is similar to a Mary Kay party, blah, 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 blah. Um, so we don't judge anybody who gets into it because we, we were really lucky that we were lost about $90 because you had to buy the sales kit, which it seems like all multi-level marketing does that. It's like in order to get started, you got to buy all this stuff. And so we did. Um, I guess we're also lucky in the fact that we actually still have some of those knives. It was Cutco. <laughs> Please don't sue us. We still have some knives. They're they're really nice knives, but their sales program was weird. I just don't understand sometimes because those are good products. You could a company mm-hmm. could make a lot of money by just selling them in the marketplace and doing yeah. that without this whole rigmarole of signing people up and telling them they have to do a certain number of demos and they'll guarantee to make $18 an hour. <laughs> no you won't. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean the only way you can describe it is just like the people who are higher up, they don't care about the product, except for the fact that the product is the people. There are, rather than having a company that makes a lot of money on all of these knives that they could sell, a very small group of people in the company are making a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. And that's why they don't do retail, I guess, I can assume. But um, yeah, if you're if you're somebody who sells multi-level marketing, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, if you can be the first person in a geographical area to start doing it, you have a chance of maybe making some money. I don't want to give people false hope, but like, there is no place in this country where people haven't heard of Mary Kay. And if you are even the fourth or fifth line down trying to sell, you're never going to get enough people to recruit. You're never going to find enough people to sell to, but you uh, you may fail and then the company will tell you that it's your fault. So yes. Well, you also the Swindled podcast has an episode called The Downline and they go into uh, a little bit more of the mathematics about how if you join a multi-level marketing group at a certain level, you would have to recruit more people than currently exist on the planet in order to actually make money at it. Yep, 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 yep. So anyway, it's really, it's fascinating. Like, I think the bonus episodes that I was listening to are good, especially if you know somebody who's selling it and they're not, they're really doing badly. Because the podcast says, and I'm not sure if this is entirely true, but it does sound right that 99% of the people who join any kind of multi-level marketing company will not make money. They will actually lose a little bit of money. And you got to figure out of that percentage of people who are going to lose money, there's a certain percentage of people who get really, really underwater with it and put a lot of debt into it. And this guy who was talking about getting people out of cults and getting people out of MLMs, 
he said one of the things that families do when somebody gets into a cult or gets into an MLM, they start yelling at them and calling them an idiot. And I told you, and I don't understand how you could do this and whatever. And he's like, that'll just make them close ranks and get defensive and everything. And he was talking about ways to talk to people and connect to people to try to get them out of it. And it was a good question. You talk to the person and say, okay, what is your experience right now? Think about what you were like a couple of years ago when you got started. If you had known then what you know now, would you have said yes to this? And in a lot of cases, the answer is going to be no. Yeah. I've got a friend who sells Mary Kay, and I mentioned this podcast, and she had said that she still sells Mary Kay, but she really only got into it for the discount because she really likes the products, which I admit some of Mary Kay's stuff is actually very nice. So she said, that's totally why I'm getting into it, just to get the products. And I'm sitting here, I'm like... And I bet she hasn't done the math. I mean, all the stuff that she's spent so far, I'm going to guess the discount hasn't actually made much of a difference. So, Well, yeah, that and the John Oliver, if you ever uh, watch his shows, he did one on multi-level marketing, which was a revelation to me because I'd known Cutco was a bad experience. And I knew that getting hit up from every direction for makeup or leggings or those little vinyl stickers that you can put on your nails uh, was kind of annoying. But it wasn't until I watched that that he talked about the fact that Mary Kay sells their products to their distributors at a certain price, and you can't make much of a profit by reselling at that price. So you have to sell a bunch in order to get access to the discount amount. So people are buying up all of this extra stuff so that they can have that discounted rate and maybe have a hope of making a profit. And that's why you can go on eBay and see Mary Kay everywhere because there's people trying to get rid of this stuff before it expires. And apparently on eBay, like Mary Kay employs people to look around on eBay and find out who's selling. You're not allowed to sell it on eBay. Oh my God, they're not doing a good job of it, damn. But it seems to be kind of the same thing. Like, you know, I had some Lego earrings on Etsy and I got contacted by the official Lego representative and told you can't really... They were very nice, but they said you can't use the Lego name in the product because that makes it seem like our brand is approving the crafts that you're making out of these Legos. And so I can't have it in the keywords. I can't have the description and everything. And I just I went back and looked at Etsy. I'm like, people are selling Lego stuff all over the place. It's just they they get just enough people to put the fear into people and that's it. But they don't get everybody. (laughs) I did not try to go against that, by the way. I was like, (laughs) yes, sir. Sorry, I'm taking them down. Now they're they're labeled building block earrings. (laughs) Fine. Um, Whatever. Anyway. Anyway, so I'm sure that's what happens with Mary Kay is that they just target whoever's easiest, possibly target people who are selling a lot, you know, and be like, no, can't do that. Yeah, but other than that rambling ramble, um, I guess it's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews. Not really many photo galleries right now, so, you know. Yeah, we managed to post a picture of us in our Doctor Who cosplay on a Zoom call, and that was pretty much it for our cosplay photos this year. Maybe next year. Yeah, Yeah. so um, hope everybody out there is doing well. I guess we won't have a Night Vale episode next week, but maybe we'll catch up on more of our nerd TV. We might, by that point, have heard a little bit more about the Hugo Awards ceremony that everybody's so mad about, but that'll take a whole other episode to discuss, I think. Yeah. Yeah, if you just look at the Hugo Awards tag, I, you'll find some people are really unhappy. Um, but yeah, no, I don't even want to get started because I will not stop. <laughs> one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind.
Um, but yeah, other than that, rambling. Hang on. Bus. There it goes.